Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of the Beer Fridge Podcast, the home of real beer, real breweries, real opinions. This week we look at the Republic of Beer, Lager and Budva. Welcome to another weekly episode of the Beer Fridge Podcast. Real beer, real breweries, real opinions. As always, wherever you listen to this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Hit that ding-a-ling-a-ling to be notified of all the latest episodes. Show your support by giving us a five-star rating or your official support by heading to patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast. My name is Gavin. I've got my drinking buddies in the form of Scott, Mark and Callum. Good evening. Good evening. Can I just say oh, what an incredible intro that was, Gav? Uh, if you were if you're an audio, if you're an audio listener, you totally missed. You got the tune, obviously, but you totally missed the video that he put together, and that was it was updated about three weeks ago, and the the updated version for this week is even better. So. Um, so you can head over to YouTube, by the way, when you watch it. I, I loved it. I, I could see it here, so it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you. <laughs> so the voice that you're hearing is not a usual drinking buddy, but he is definitely a drinking buddy. So um, <laughs> introducing um, Radim from Budvar. How are you, my man? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm well. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, honestly, I've been... Um, we said that last week when we kind of we done a bit of a um, prelude to this, and I was like, I can't wait to drink Budvar, and I know you know your stuff, and you you represent a wicked brand, and you make awesome beer, and I suppose that's exactly what the podcast is all about at the end of the day is talking about good beer and drinking good beer. So win win. Um, yeah. Super super for it. <laughs> yeah, win win indeed. Um, dry January is behind us in more ways than one. Um, we're kicking off our first guest of the year, like Mark says, with Redeem from Barba. First one of the year, and we're kicking off with a fucking bloody good one, uh, may I say. Um, we would normally go around the virtual table and see what, find out what we're drinking, but we're all, I assume, going to be drinking the exact same thing, and that's going to be uh, the Barba Lager. But I think the first thing we need to ask is a question that Callum was shooting ahead for, um, go on then, son. You can ask it now. Well, having watched the Craft Beer Channel's video, um, I was very interested to to note the difference um, in taste depending on how the beer was poured. So the, the quote-unquote Czech pour with big three-finger head on top um, not only looks great in the glass, but it also um, accentuates the taste of the beer. Um, so how do us unfortunate people who can't get Budvar on keg very often. How do we replicate that by pouring from a bottle into the glass? Yeah, so I think like I would, I would maybe start with uh, saying that uh, you cannot uh, reproduce the experience you have in a pub at home. Ah, good luck. <laughs> <line. Good line. laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a hard hard fact, but you know this is the reason like we go to a pub to get socialized. So Absolutely. I, I think you know you can, you can get closer to it at home, and I think they can show you the benefits. You can still achieve at home. But like uh, the video that you've mentioned, like there is a there is a special type of tap, 
fuse. There's a there's a mixture of gases used for it. So there's lots of like elements that you can only sort of reproduce at uh, at the pub. Um, if you would like to achieve something similar at home, uh, you will be a little bit disappointed about the foam because pouring from either bottle of can will definitely affect the uh, the nice formation of foam. What you mm -hmm. can reproduce is you can actually knock out some of the carbonation and make it make it hard, like much harder, much higher drinkability. So mm -hmm. you should always be starting with the with a chilled glass, and by chilled glass means no frozen glass. Mark, no, 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 no. So so yeah, so so definitely the glass needs to be washed, so uh, to be sort of like clean up on a, of any fatty residues or grease residues. Uh, and chilled. Usually, I do it the way that I put the ice in water and put it in the fridge. So you don't want to go under under zero degrees because if it forms the ice, it will definitely mute the flavors of the beer, yeah. and also will mute the formation of the foam. So we roughly somewhere around like four to six four to six degrees at pour, and like five to seven degrees at at, uh, at the lips. <laughs> If I get to 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 geek and technical, just stop me. Oh no, no, no for a minute. Yeah, so, go geek. So, so you, have a, you have a clean glass. I always rinse it because the rinsing actually reduces the surface tension, so it's mm -hmm. better better control over the pour. And then you start with the glass. I must switch the filter off. I think uh, you might see it in front of me. Yeah. So at forty five degrees, yeah, I want to pour it quite aggressively. Mm -hmm. What's what's the full forming, and then. That's quite. I love foam. I don't want to let it sit for around thirty seconds, so you let the carbonation to escape a little bit. It basically reduces yeah. the amount of CO two, brings up the drinkability, and then uh, on the second pour, you actually to go, going to thicken up the foam, so it will bring up the texture of the foam. Okay. If you actually have the temperature in the glass as, as, a, as the same, uh, it will massively benefit. So the foam will be more stable, more sort of. Mm. Thick. And then after that thirty seconds, you just basically top it up. And then, yeah, you should be having those three fingers of foam. <laughs> that? No, oh, unlike, unlike Mark. <laughs> because uh, Mark uh, has a frozen glass. Scotsman's pie. Have you poured that in most places in Edinburgh? You poured yours, Redeem, in most places in Edinburgh. They would ask you to top it up. No, I no yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I know. But if, if, you, if you want to get, get into that, actually, our, our UK glasses are marked to two thirds of a pour. To have enough mm -hmm. foam to actually to sort of like get it dissolved and get to two to two thirds marking, but yeah. But when you actually see on Mars glass, that's the reason of super super chilled glass. So this is what happens: like the foam barely forms on the frozen glasses. Now yeah, you so, fucked up. Uh, that's, you fucked up. Well, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm an exception. Mark, let's try it again. It's interesting um, what you said, uh, Radim. There that that although I can I can. At, at least in the beginning, replicate that that big uh, foam. It'll dissipate quite quickly because it's come out of the bottle. Um, but it, it does enhance that, as you say, it enhances mm -hmm. that drinkability. It softens the beer mm -hmm. down, um, and you're getting the proper flavour rather than having to deal with all the carbonation. And also, also what it actually does as well is uh, for us, we don't use any any foam enhancing uh, hop, hop extracts. So we are quite beaten to death. Based on this fact that uh, our foam is not as stable, but this is actually what happens. Like if you got any type of beer without adjuncts or without any any things like a hexa, tetra hop, and all those uh, hop extracts added post fermentation, mm -hmm. so you're drinking real beer from real place. <laughs> that's 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 
it's absolutely amazing. It's the fucking bollocks. I don't know about you guys, taste wise, but a wee bit of citrus kind of readiness coming through. Like, oh, and it's, it's, it's like, so that you Aye. Yeah, and it's so good that obviously is, that's the distinction for watching the videos and stuff as well, and having enjoyed our fair share. I'm sure we can say that, Mark. Pretty recently, the place across for the the back step, Waverly, is a constant. It's two steps. It whether yeah. you're waiting on a train coming home or you're going out there, it's a it's a go to when they've got Bud Farod. So it, we've enjoyed it loads. It's I love the flavour more so than. A lot of other laggers. It just I like the I like some of the the kind of German stuff because it's quite crisp and and mm-hmm. stuff. But that bready kind of oomph and body to it is something mm-hmm. that stands far apart for basically everyone else. It's tremendous. Yes. Very. That's the main reason as well. Like you mentioned, German lagers. So the distinctive difference between German and Czech lagers. Like most of the German brewers, they went away from uh, from the cooking, the cooking yeah. machine. And we still do it. Many breweries in Czech Republic still do it. If you go to uh, study brewing, they will teach you to do the cookshun. And many breweries are just there carrying it out. And then this thing, the breadiness, that actually the mallard reaction from the from the, the cookshun mashing. So that's that's one thing to separate sort of like a Czech lagers from German lagers, not only on the bitterness spectrum, but also on this on this breadiness that really like bites into your tongue and stays there for like five to ten seconds. So, so. Difference between quality and um, obviously size as well, the the hops and single malt and stuff, and and keeping it exactly the same. But also the the bit that that gets me that that's that's so unique about it, but also so amazing is that you don't have to because of the unique position Budvar is in with its ownership and stuff. It's always quality over efficiency over over the kind of eking out profits is. That it's in that unique position, I think, amongst other breweries that the size and the quantity that's there, that it's um, always the quality remains exactly the same. And uh, because you can you can champion that as opposed to having to draw a line somewhere or make a margin somewhere necessarily. And I know it's not to lose money hand over fist, but still, it's out there to, to make sure the quality is the absolute best because of its ownership. It's amazing. You know, you know, it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned that because many many people like. Think that about Budvar, <laughs> like there's some sort of like a marketing uh, thing to talk about that, and then then we go to the brewery and they see the production and be like, "Whoa, actually, you guys do that." It's even sorry. It's even just like from again. I'm going back to the, the the craft beer channel video and stuff, and the other videos that I've watched this afternoon and and the run up to this, like having a beer sit there for 90 days a quarter of a year just to let it and just to let it mature and just to do, go through those processes I, I i i can't not every brewery in the world has the luxury to do that to sit on a beer for a quarter of the year just to wait until it's perfect like you were saying gil like you've got breweries that need to make margin and stuff because you're obviously owned by the state it's you're not under those specials. That's how that's how processes like that stay. Like the yeah. double decoction stuff only stays because you're not having to go. Like German breweries get rid. The, the, the step to get shot at is we can achieve. We think we can achieve the same result or similar enough result without having that step in it, which by the way takes long. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so German the, 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 against itself to yeah. that extent. 
This is our limitation now. So now limit, our limitation now is not the lagering capacity, it's actually the brew house capacity. Because we, mm -hmm. we brewing 24-7 and uh, thanks to the double decoction, the whole process is between 10 and 12 hours. So we are we having two kits uh, to brewing sets. And uh, basically you, you cannot at the time. So we, we are thinking about get, uh, adding brew house. But our lagering capacity is still great, even to hold up. So we are producing now around 1.8 million hectoliters, and that's the, that's the maximum you, you can hit on the two like two sets of four vessel systems. System. So yeah, it's 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 quite interesting. Yeah, but again, you know, uh, no cutting corners, and you know, I think everyone not who's who knows a little bit of bring appreciates it when 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 you taste the final product. Like it has that that harmony that you know. It just makes you smash five, ten, fifteen pints. I've got amazing to me that, that, that a brewery can run, as you say, twenty four seven, and you know the the brew, each batch will be getting laggered on its own tank, and uh, you know the the beer's not blended. It's not it's not you know mixed with um, other. So so know, so for for consistency, uh, yeah. So here's the thing: yeah, we don't do any adjustments uh, at the end. So basically, it all goes to to uh, fermentation vessels, and one fermentation vessel can take uh, up to up to four batches. So as this first point yeah. of like, yeah. Uh, the yeah. second point is basically depending at which lagering tank it is, you you need to still sort of blend four four tanks together. Yeah, for right. consistency, because we, we don't want to water down anything. We we don't want to, uh, there, there's minor, minor, just tweak out with CO2. So for that mm -hmm. consistency and to hit that legislative 5%, we blend four tanks together. That's that's the maximum. But depending on the size, we got a different sizes of, of lagering tanks. Uh, yeah, there's no like a post-fermentation adjustment or anything like that. So that's, uh, so there's but a blending, but not 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 blending in, in a way of AGB. <laughs> yeah, but and 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 the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about blending or 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 you know blending together four batches, um, and when when you think about four batches versus you know 1.8 million hectoliters of beer in a year, it's, it it really pales into insignificance. Um, and yep. and to achieve that consistency over such a vast quantity of beer, but still have that artisan that you know that almost small batch approach is quite amazing yeah. to me really yes, it's a, I, I call i call the brewery semi-automatic so you know we've got lots of like a very advanced processes in a brewery uh, but also like things like uh the dosing of hops we still have an operator that needs to go down to the hop storage take the 150 kilo bale uh portion it with eggs because you know all, all the oil <laughs> stick it together then bag it, uh, bring it up on trolley, and basically dose it in hand. So that's uh, you know when we were looking for the brew house extension, you know, no, no, no supplier or producer of the brew house wants to do this anymore because now all the systems are you know basically in 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 line with health and safety and like having things like atmospheric boil that you can actually open and have a look in a kettle and you can dose directly something into kettle. It's it's not very like today's standard. So I know that. Uh, it's funny, um, it's like you said, you say that, and 
everything's a bit kind of health and safety mad, but the one thing you've got <laughs> is an axe. <laughs> a big <laughs> axe. <laughs> yeah. No, no one, no one, no one wants to make angry any of those guys at the at the brew house. <laughs> <laughs> Do not make them angry. If if we kind of rewind a little bit and just kind of get a, get a a a bigger backstory of the brewery, obviously it started and correct me if I'm wrong, wrong at any point here. 1885 um, is when was when the brewery kind of kicked off. It's owned by, like we said, by the state, which I've been trying to do. A, more research in that and i can find some breweries in germany that are maybe owned by the state couldn't find any in the uk it's not a thing you really see at it's, all it's, it's it's not a not, not a thing at all but like uh it, when it goes back to the history of 1895 it was actually funded yeah so when we talk about bohemia at the times uh, of uh, austro-hungarian empire uh pretty much the official language was german all the all the institutions were run by german-speaking officials and in the town of Bad Weiss, that's a Germanic name of town Czeska Budovice, where we're from. Mm-hmm. So any major city would, would, would have a Germanic name. And at that time, there was like 50-50 population of German-speaking and Czech-speaking. And uh, yeah, and the, the Czechs were just not happy to be ruled by German-speaking officials. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> our, our, our way of, of Czech defiance is basically building up a breweries. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> so, so Bruce, is that's it. Uh, for countries looking to become independent nations, is it not? No. I think we don't need to get into like uh, independence well. talks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually lived in, in Scotland at the time where there was the talks of independence. Oh, oh, God. Right. oh God. As long as there's, as long as beer. If, if anybody wants to increase, um, anybody wants, I'll listen to them as long as they want to increase beer. Um, um, I, I, I don't feel like Scottish people would found, found another tenants, but like nation-owned tenants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. uh, that's probably the only one potentially. The other, the, the probably the the, the the small elephant in the room for someone who's listening to this po- this podcast in this episode, you'll be listening to us talking to Bud, Budweiser, Budvar, and you'll hear the first word, and you'll hear Budweiser, and mm-hmm. you'll associate it with what they or they slogan themselves as the king of beers now. I did the exact same years ago, and it's not till today that I've dug into it a bit more and learned about it and done a bit of research. There's two fucking separate, complete identities. There's, there's, it's, it just so happens they brewed in the same place called Budweiser, and some guy with a son named Bush decided to fuck off to America and steal the beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the contain the contain story of this is pretty much like uh, the town of Budweiser. Yeah, the brewing uh, tradition was there since 1265. And back in the day, before any trademarks or anything like that, the beers used to be called by the cities they were brewed at. Yeah, yeah so this, this goes way back. So, so Budweiser as a city with a Germanic name, the beer came from its Budweiser. Yeah, you get, a, you get out of brewery, you know, Pilsner. Pilsner, Pilsner yeah. You know, Pilsner comes from Pilsner. You know? yeah. If you go down to, if you go down to uh, uh, Austria or for Germany, you've got an Erdinger from Erding, you've got a Kronbacher from Kronbach. Like all these, all these like brands now, back in the day, they were basically just beers called by the towns that were brewed at. And uh, the truth is, like obviously, uh, you have a massive mass migration to the United States in the second half of the 19th century. And you've got all these migrants coming from Europe, 
continent of Europe to the US. And you know, someone decided to start a brewery and in order to attract all these uh, immigrants to drink uh, their beers, uh, they chosen the name that was already established. And uh, not much, like sadly for us, it was first registered by them. But the only thing we've recommended uh, up until now, I think it's 308 trademark disputes. Yeah, so we've got nothing going with American Budweiser. And like when you when you look at the size of them, like we are dropping the ocean. You know, we're just yeah. holding on to to it's always true. And actually, from one of those uh, court reports, they admitted that they got inspired by the city. Well, mm-hmm. it's a, a good place it's... to get inspired by, definitely. Sorry, Mark. I was going to say it's crazy though that 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 it's still being disputed, and I know they've obviously admitted that. But the fact that the size of the company that like Anheuser Busch are now that the the fact that you Budvar are still like fighting the the fight because they know they're in the right, you know, it just shows you sort of how much you kind of stand by name and brand and all that kind of stuff rather than it would have been really really easy for you or for the company to just accept a big check probably and you know change the name and kind of move on and all the rest of it but the fact that you haven't i think is just testament to the history yeah and it's something that is so prevalent within like the the bohemian sort of style brewing you know you you think about Reinheisgebot that that's still like built into the german purity law and how that works and that you still brew the same way as well that it's just i, I, I don't know i just there's a reason and i've kind of got an ongoing joke with a, a craft or other pal that runs um, a brewery and he's talk he always talks about the circle I've got a couple of pals, mate. I luckily three of them show up on a on a Tuesday, but um, but he always talks about it's the circle of beer, and everybody starts drinking the local lager. Every if you're a crafty, you maybe move into IPAs and or you or you start with your dad's eighty shilling, and then you move into pails and then sours and imperials and tippers and dippers and whatever else, and. You come back round to what you know best, which is good lager. You know, it's really funny. You come back round, and there's a reason it's, you always come back to stuff like this. It's it's it's, it's uh, tried and tested. Like I love this. Like whenever we do events, like you, you can always see people like coming in at the you know the, at the beginning of the session, they all go mental for you know these uh, milkshake something, you know unicorn penis, so uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> and uh and then in its second half like your your palate it's like generally like the, the way how flavor tastes like your your palate gets overwhelmed and you, you need to get back to something that, that is clean that is drinkable and you know we always end up super busy at the second half of every session at every festival so it, yeah. It, it's yeah it totally makes sense and, you know it's it's a safe it's a safe choice it's a safe choice as well and you know who who does lager and drinks lagers like they know like you know, there's nothing to hide in lager. Lager is not overwhelming. And yep. It's super smashable. It's an everyday beer. You might not appreciate it when you go to beer festival, but like at the end of the day, when you look at beer, or like yearly consumption of beers, the lager is still there by 80, 90%. That's just simple statistics of the world consumption. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you say, there's nowhere to hide. And it's not, and even even within that, you know, some lagers you get that will be a blend of different malts and maybe there'll be 
different hops that are added, but this is one type of malt, one type of hop, water and yeast, and that's it. And um, it's just, yeah, it just speaks for itself. Uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned, Mark, you mentioned Reihensgebot, yeah, so, like, obviously, you know, Germans, but, like, you know, we still using four ingredients, so, and actually, like, even our brewmaster says, like, our originally it's much closer to German Hellas than to Czech Lager. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a sort of like in a, in a joke, but like in sense of like we, we don't we don't strive for hard bitterness, we don't strive for for settle. We progress at despite settle, but it's not something that that we, we cherish. And then you know you end up with what you have, and you know there's no doubt it's, it's a super, super special beer. I'm I'm biased. Mm -hmm. I've been drinking this beer since I was. <laughs> well, I can't say it, I can't say it publicly on a podcast, but <laughs> since eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Since, since eighteen minus whatever. Um, the, the that's is, is that not so? And I know that I digress, and also I'm getting a bit of a ribbon in here from a good friend just while I've got the opportunity to do it. Way to take trust the Germans and those that brew in their style to take something like we use four ingredients all the time and make it super boring by adding a regulation onto it. <laughs> the old days we're making a regulation and a law here just to bore everybody to tears. Whereas everybody, there's a lot of other people like Bud Farr who are out there using the same four ingredients all the time, but then they feel the need to codify themselves into shouting about it and go into the whole doom and gloom of we must only brew with these. No, we do it anyway. Yeah. It's just that's part of the process. We just do that naturally. We just apply that rule. The only use I've got to scream and shout about it. It's everybody to tears. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's it's quite it's quite interesting. You know, I'm not going to rub it to anyone's face. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, it, but it's it's fun fact. Like when you look at the German brewers, like they got kind of ways to get around a little bit as well. Like and still being within the oh yeah, like acidified malt is one of those things lowering pH. Like for example, in Czech Republic or in Budvar, I'm going to talk about Budvar. We don't lower our pH, yeah, but German brewers they 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 doing the sour malts. Yeah, using that. So just like having like the bacillus uh, at 35 degrees for a couple of days, get it infected with like the bacillus and that lowers the pH with lactic acid presented in the mold. Uh, they're using chit mold as a substitution for um, for unmalted grains. So chit mold it's basically type of type of uh, barley that's been germinated for a very short time, super unmodified. You know, so did they found a rise around like even like using uh, what what's the material? Like if they want to add like zinc into it, uh, in the, into the world, they having chains in the mesh tan or MCV um, where they actually like uh, extract it from the chains in, into it. So yeah, like <laughs> the Germans found a way like you get getting around these things. But again, like you know, it's I understand like you know, that the time goes on and the technology advance, advances. But it, it will be it will always be the alternate question: what you can use to make a good drinkable lager. Any beer when it comes to that, and I think you know, yeah. you know, for us, the, the revolution is remain the same. <laughs> That's it. 100%. Well, that, um, talk, talk us about obviously, if you've if been on social media and our social media over the last couple of days, and you've seen bud bars at the start of the year, um, there's a video of yourself, um, Redeem, and you're talking about your partnership with Mikola, and obvious, and of course, the year of the lager, um. Which I think Mark has been advocating for for the last fucking three years. He says it every single year. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully, if somebody else is back, he's, he's probably on the on the right note this time. Um, yeah. Tell us about that partnership with with Mikola um, and how that's come about. 
So, so pretty much like last year, we started our first um, sort of collaborations. Uh, we don't like to call it collaborations because that word gets quite mixed up these days. With yeah. breweries like launching collaboration every week. But like, you know, the, the sort of ethos that we've been carrying out for past almost 130 years, like we wanted to do something like that because we feel like we've got quite something to say about that. So we started this project called Partnership Brewing. Uh, we launched this first in the UK with Tombridge. Mm-hmm. You can see it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so it was the first time ever like we took our, our, brew, our production team into the uh, brewery, Tombridge Brewery, and we wanted to brew. That's a nice head, by the way, Mark. Um, uh, you did not break that thing. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would pay, I would pay for that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so we we took out this project out in the world. Like we started in the UK because it's quite key market for us, and we felt like the Tombridge was the brewery to to start it with. Uh, then we did the uh, same partnership brewing with the Berlin-based brewery called Brillo, and then uh, yeah, we came across um, Mikkel, McKellar, and uh, we were like, yeah. Let's do it. Why not? Because obviously, Mikkel has the the platform around the world that Budvar still might not be as known outside of Europe. So we said it's a great opportunity. And as you all know, there's this inside like craft beer joke about the the year of the lager because you know every year is a year of like different beer and usually some <laughs> some sort of IPA variation. So right. it was actually Mikkel who came with the idea of like you know let, let, let's call it a year of the lager. You know, it's finally here. So, so we had, we, we shook the hands and we brewed a Czech style lager, which of accordance to to uh, uh, to Danish beers, because Danish lagers tend to have 4.6%. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, we used our, our in-house yeast train. We used the uh, it was a Scandinavian barley uh, with sauce hops, and uh, we wanted to use uh, well, originally we wanted to use Carlsberg yeast train. <laughs> Mm-hmm. For it, since since Mikhail is, is is Danish brewer, and when I actually dig deeper into into uh, Danish yeast strains, so they're only using two yeast strains. One of which is uh, some sort of German yeast strain, uh, so probably Weinheim Stefan, and uh, the second one is called Bohemian, so probably some variation of either like one of That's one of two breweries from Czech Republic. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So really, I decided to 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 use our our yeast strain. Because that's this one of the one of the like all the Z strains. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we kicked it off. And basically this collaboration comes at the three stages. First one was to brew the beer, which is still continuing. We don't know for how long, but as long as there is a demand, we're going to brew it. Second one is actually this uh, is an online campaign about uh, involving brewers and home brewers, brew yep. Czech style lager. So we launched uh, a year of the lager on our website, everyone can register to it. Uh, it's a in, in very interesting project, like even for me and production team. So we pull, pull together uh, this, this golden rules where actually it's a handbook on how to brew Czech lager. So there's 100 years of experience to to what, what, what we know that works, but also like with some sort of insights into like modern commercial either yeast strains, molds and hops. You know, it's not just SaaS hops that we suggest. We listed like different Czech varieties of hops. Everyone can brew it, and I invite everyone to jump on it because I think you know we all can make it here the lager finally. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing because you see, because like in the, on that video, like you, you say those things and you 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 point people in the direction of saying, "Look, we're not hiding anything. Here's the recipe. Here's some hints and tips. Go go home, and if you've got a home brewer, go and make it. And hashtag you the beer, you the lager. Excuse me." And let's get this running. It's amazing. Like for yourself, Cal, I know I, when I when we first seen the video, um, 
we, we put it in our group chat and Mark and Callum are the, the, the brewers, myself and Scott are the, the taste testers. Um, like for, for people like yourself, Carl, that must be like, yes, give me, get me the stuff, get on the kit and let's brew a, let's brew a Czech style lager. Yeah, it's really exciting, I think and I think it, it, it's, it, it's really exciting for, for me as a home brewer, and um, I'm hope, hoping that Mark now being in a more sort of brewery-orientated position is going to be able to help with um, the process as well. Um, I mean, we've got a little bit of a setup down at Mark's for brewing. We've got a fridge in place so that we can try and, you know, ferment at the right temperature and, and, and things like that, but above all, it's the challenge, it's the exciting, you know, because... Up until now, it's just been IPAs and the odd stout or, or you know, Scottish ale or whatever. But th this presents a challenge um, that we've not faced before, and I'm really up for it. Like, I'm really up for trying to make one. Um, I, think, I think it's beautiful for everyone to, to, to get on get on with it and, and you know have, have a go. You know, I think it's 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 quite essential, especially now, like find the, the appreciation for real lagers from real place and how long actually it takes. And it's you know, it's not something that you press a button and then uh, in, in a week time you get a beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's actually totally. like it's it's, it's a time consuming process but you know encourage everyone to, to to give it a go and and see because i think it's going to build up the, the appreciation for the product you know, i'm not going to talk about like big big breweries and anything like i'm um, you know what we do in Budvar, like i think it's quite extraordinary still and and this modern time you already mentioned that at the beginning so i'm not getting, not getting back into it but like, yeah, give it a go. I think it's 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 a wonderful project. <laughs> I'm actually the brew, brewing tomorrow myself um, at home. <laughs> no, oh, oh well, I'll I'll be checking in tomorrow. With you then that that'll be good. Um, the 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 bit that really like the bit that kind of it scared me a little bit because when you're home brewing, you kind of get set in your own ways. If that's the easiest way, you get comfortable with. I know when I'm mashing in. I know when I'm. You know, if it's a pale ale, an IPA, a stout, whatever it is, you kind of get used to the, the the processes. You get used to your, the bit that really scares me. And you've mentioned it a few times today. Is this this double? You're calling it the double decoction, but I was looking at just the single decoction mash, and everything I've read about it is makes perfect sense. It's it seems like, like you say it's it's adding body and head retention but also like like making it softer with the water and stuff and i just think it just it makes perfect sense however it's you know what it's like when you're home brewing <laughs> you know a home brewed like you know and i joke about this all the time and the wife like she she hates it because when it when it's a home brew day it is you're brewing you're, you're all day you know it's not you don't just like, like you say, click your fingers. You're not stopping to do the hoover or anything like that, are you? Oh, that's <laughs> like you're not stopping. Well, you're you're not anyway, but you're not stopping to do anything else. It's not like I'll leave that sitting there and I'll go and wash the car or I'll go and sort that and then come back. You've got to be eyes on, and then you come. No. But every time somebody comes in and sees you, you're like that. Hey, like what are you doing now? Well, I'm fucking watching it. That's what I'm doing. Watching it. <laughs> I've I think this, this, eyes on all the time. <laughs> yeah, this 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 is a quite interesting project for homebrewers as well because, like, you know, you can you can take the same recipe and do it with infusion mash, and you, you can then do second batch with a decoction, and you can compare it side by side. You know, in the small batches, you, you can sense the difference as well. Like, it's uh, I, I think like you know, I believe that like every homebrewer should should try the decoction at home at least once. 
to see yeah. how it is and, and and to see benefits of it. I am. So, I I wanted to try it with a like a wheat beer because I feel like it would match really well with like a proper wheat beer too. But um, again, that's Mark's homebrew kind of wee head going off in tangents. But um, I just I, I, what I love about it, and you, you mentioned it, Gav, there. There's no like smoking mirrors. There's no bullshit with it. There's no like we're trying to cover this up. It's our secret ingredients and all the rest of it. It's basically like there's four ingredients. Here it is. Go and go and make it. And you know, I think. You kind of hit the nail on the head for me, Redeem, that you said it shows you how difficult it is and how time restrictive it is. That means that you appreciate it even more when it comes, you know, and you can walk into, you know, well, we, we Gail mentioned it, we walk into Bohemia in Edinburgh and yeah. we get Pank, Budvar on the side pour. Um, you know, it's the only place in the town that we can get it on really easy access, not just like proper handle down draft, like side pour draft out the tank. Amazing. I think that was it three weeks ago or four weeks ago. We're having. I had it on Saturday, mate. Did you? I never went. I was there for, we got invited, they booked there for a works Christmas night or whatever. And we went there and we met early so that we could, I was like, well, we'll meet early and we'll have a beer, I'll get a beer off the train. And I never went to the night, I just sat there. I think I went through for half an hour to say hello. And then I found out that the beer they were giving away for free was in buckets and just buckets of bottles. And I was like, I'm not having that. I mean, back down the stairs to pay for beer. <laughs> Folk looked at me like I had two heads. I said, honestly, my night, my night, it's ten times better than yours. <laughs> Just because I'm drinking, I'm drinking this stuff and know the old trash that's lying in bottles up the stairs. Not know that Bohemia have anything bad in bottles either, but it's not a patch on that stuff. For goodness sake. Bohemia's a great place. It's a great place as well. And also, like talking about tank beer, you got to you got to unfiltered and pasteurized beer. You know, that only lasts two weeks, and so it's really like that's. Yeah, that's the experience that you would be getting in the cellars, pretty much. One, one thing I wanted to just ask you there was the difference between tank and, you know, generic, I'm calling it generic keg, but like draft beer, because I I know from a, like from a selling point of view and the cost that goes into filling one of these tanks, I know um, the time and the, obviously the like you say, the expiry date that is on it compared to, you know, once it's broached, it's sort of like cask beer. And, you know, mm. that it's... You've got to shift it. It's, it's time to get it moving, yeah. Um, have you noticed any other differences? Honestly, like like from for me, I think beer is, you know, best the first week. And the experience is that, you know, day eight, ninth, and you can taste it by days. Yeah, that, that's how fast fast it goes. But like, that's the reason. Like, when you want to get tank sides, then it needs to have the volume. Yeah, it needs to go through the volume, and uh, there's a lot, lot of things. But it's the premium. You know, it's the premium. It's, it's, it's the the freshest thing that you can taste. You know, that's why you know it could be a little bit a little bit more expensive than your know, cake beer, but you know the experience is far far greater. Well, nothing wrong with a cake beer either. You know. <laughs> Let me talk about tank. You know that that tank is a brilliant place, and that's that's the reason. Like we, we don't have hundreds of sites in the UK with, with, with the tank beers, right? It's it's just yeah. for the places that that actually you know when there's a tank beer that it being flows, a very beer flows, there's a much better quality. 
Mm-hmm. And how much of a challenge is that as a brewery to to supply tank beer? You know. So usually it works the way like we've got a you've got a transportation tanks. So there's like a big 500 liters square watts that you put into lorry. Uh, it is refrigerated. Then it's transported just outside of London uh, to a place called Tank Beer. Uh, they take those in and then they trans- transfer it from that uh, transportation tank into the van. And then uh, the engineer goes into the side, uh, takes out the bag because it's in the bags. Yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, with every refill, you get a fresh bag in. Uh, cleans the lines because obviously unfiltered and pasteurized beer that's my, much lively beer so you need to really take care of your sanitation so the engineer sanitizes the lines and fills up the tank and then you're always having um, you're always having like a blackboard so with a chalk you write in the day the tank was filled or breached there's quite a lot of logistics involved in that Make yeah it's crazy because um Oh, you see, I kind of I had pitched some I pitched to do some business on that, and I had to kind of dive in and look into the logistic aspect of getting beer to London, and and I just thought, and dare I say it though, it's expensive as well, and it's expensive from for the brewery to do, um, which is obviously passed down to like you mentioned to the customer because again, expiry date, the cleaning of the lines on a regular basis, but. It is the, it is the pinnacle. The absolute best. It is the pinnacle of the, the beer when you get it fresh. It's sort of the way we were always kind of we pitched it was, it's as if you're getting it straight from tank, you know, and that's like it's treated the same way. It's that's... Put, um, you know, like you said, it's refrigerated to the right temperature. It's the the oxygen never hits it until it yeah. is tapped and it's ready to rock and roll. Basically, it's the, just the the tank beer is not forgiving. That's you know, and and I think like even like if you, if you don't don't take apart the the taps, you know, any sort of contamination will, will get in very very fast. There's lots of nutrients in, and it's very volatile beer. So yeah, it's a uh, we used to have like around twelve sides around the UK. Now it's down to four, and you know we are confident like retain the quality in those four. But again, like you all know, heads down to, to 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 the operators as well because you know everyone would like to have it, but you know. From even like from operators as well as consumers' perspective, they are not aware of what it is. That's the biggest challenge in the UK. You know, when, when you talk to, to like you know beer professionals like you, like you know what's going on. Like regular consumer comes in and sees something in a tank, we're like, okay, beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got a, I've got a couple of customers in Aberdeen that do tank beer and like through like Staropramen or Tenants <laughs> predominantly, and the headache that they get from it is and that's what they say it's just and it, what you say it's finding the right venue that will treat the beer correctly but also has the clientele that understands the beer that so and like, it's finding and like you say i'm surprised that you've got four to be honest I'm, in the yeah, UK. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you, you've got a couple of places mark in aberdeen they're not likely to pay more than five pound a pint. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, like isn't there the, the places uh, something like a Queens or Kings that's like has got the highest consumption of tenants in their Scotland? Oh, like where yeah. all the all the people come come off the oil rigs, they just go in there and just keep smashing pints. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot the name of it. It's like a King something or a Queen something. I forgot the name of that. Yeah. yeah. 
But you know, I think like if if you know like on this podcast, like I think it's not to mention like if any place like is willing to take the tank in, like e- e- like if they serving other things that the tank, they are really on the top of the quality, on the top of the cleaning, because that's the uh, you know if the operators willing to take this on, like the you know it's not just about the volume, but it's also about the care. So when when we yeah. decide to go somewhere with the tank beer, it's probably the place that not only has the volume but also has the care for the beer. So yeah, so whenever you go somewhere and you see you see tank beer there, even the keg beer on the tap is, is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we are that's opening a fifth side in Maidenhead, and that's just going to be uh, purely focused. If you're ever down in London, Maidenhead is just on Elizabeth Line. Uh, it's just going to be purely purely Czech, uh, yeah, purely Czech so focused restaurant uh, with only boudoir on, with all the boudoir skews plus uh, boudoir tank. So just uh, I'm going there next week doing a training there. So I'm quite excited to to head over and and send yes. some fresh tank beer. Fucking sign me check up. Check places, check places as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get that's another thing on my things to to mention about uh, check the kind of check culture around beer. The other thing uh, I want to make sure we definitely discuss is um, the beer that's in your vessel. Um, in fact, probably uh, all of them. This is my absolute very favourite. And, and we have every most um, beer festivals we went to last year. When we seen the Budvar stand, this was the first thing I know. Me and you spoke when we were in Brew London, it was the first thing we made a beeline to. And it was wanted... the first thing I asked Redeem when I met him in Glasgow. I was like, Please <laughs> tell me you've got the black dark lager. And he was like, No, <laughs> the dark lager is um, one that we we kind of definitely seek out because this is absolutely astonishing gilroy um your thoughts it's just amazing i love i love the 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 kind of it's not even normally with 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 a kind of darker malts it's normally almost like a burnt toast but it's not like that it's like caramel plus johnny mentioned it on the the craft beer channel it's almost like a slight licorice flavor you get off it it's the but smell no, treacle. It smells like it's treacle. Almost, it's superb. It's just got a different, a different depth of flavour, and I love the the regular the 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 Czech lagers. Yeah. It's unsurpassable as far as lagers go. But I like dark beer, um, and it's uh, it's my favourite. Send some emotions here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. It's amazing. Them. It's just incredible. It's, Thank it's, you. It's so, it's partial of memories. It's got a, a every of every time you have it. It's it's such a it's such a good beer. I love the flavour and it's just perfect for those that like dark beer, but also like a lager as well. So it's cold and dark and it's got a hell of a lot of flavour to it. It's super. Try it. if you don't you. normally drink dark beer. Try the dark lager. It's, it'll change your oh. life. I promise. Yeah, the, the dark lager is brilliant. It's one of my favourite as well. Uh, the dark lager is actually matured only for sixty days. Because uh, with the lagering, uh, you have a, the, the the chocolate mass quite fades away, quite fast. So if I, if I'm down in the brewery, I like I like somewhere with like 35, 40 days. So it's still like a like a cold cocoa basically. <laughs> so that, that, this is the invitation for anyone. Like if you're ever in Czech Republic and and usually people go to Prague, so make 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 sure you make your way down to to Budweiser or to Czech Budějovice, and uh, yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's a massive difference, even for like a Czech lagers, because most of the Czech dark lagers would be quite uh, cloggy, like the more maltier sort of sweeter side. 
but like we still having around 80 percent attenuation so it's still quite on the drier side like uh, when we talk about uk this beer is super super challenging yeah it's from perspective that you know the association with stouts or porters yeah, so when, when people see dark dark beer generally in the uk they think like you know it must be something heavy and then yep. you say well it actually tastes like stout or porter but it has a drink a bit of lager so you can smash four five pints and you know that's full you flavor some you it's flavor some you're refreshed people like, and they try to be like oh this is great and so yeah. definitely more dark lagers around the uk <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you i'm a, a testament to that statement there um i, I can no longer say I'm, I'm not a dark beer drinker um and especially with this uh, initially i was like, oh i know it's that it's dark it's not going to be up my street but my goodness as a lager drinker it's fucking fantastic it's if like scott you said if you don't drink dark beers but you're a lager drinker this will be right up your street it'll open up your palate to new oh. things and but oh, especially over the last six months christ i'm enjoying supporters and stouts fuck me yeah you're a change the, man change man uh, <laughs> it took long enough it took five it's and a half years the, the, <laughs> the bit that gets me is that it, like and i really like it is that it isn't as like you say it's not as carved as a lager you would normally think and i know the the og is really soft anyway you know it's not really gassy when you pour it properly you know it, is, it takes a bit of the carbonation away and and, and and dare I say it might be a wee bit blasphemy here, but this totally reminds me of like really good like kind of cask beer, as in like it's got like really fine carbonation. It's kind of like soft on the on the bubbles, but you know the flavour of it really comes through from the malt bill and uh, and things. And it's just doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise yeah, yeah. me at all. And you know I, I know lots of lots of cask lovers that love the dark lager, and it, it could be based on the on the properties that you just mentioned. So yeah, definitely. Like it's it's a. I'm not saying closer to Casca's possible because that, that there's a, there's a UK brewery that actually wanted to do collaboration with us. I wanted to do dark lager of cask, which I found actually quite hilarious because uh, the serving temperature never reaches the temperature in the fermentations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, it's sort, sort, sort of sort of a nonce, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, you would need to brew it, and then like they would need to. I, I'm trying to think how they would have to. Chill. You would have to basically have like a a separate cask chiller to have it down at the right temperature to be able to. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thinking about liquid nitrogen. I was thinking about it quite extensively, keg. but you know, honest, honestly, honestly, I, I think I think let, let's let's uh, uh, let's do us for for us it's too experimental. First of all. And you know, we, we like the traditional bits. Like we don't mind like changing molds, like we did uh, molds and hops, like we did with with Thornbridge. But like you know, it's uh, I, I don't think like this fine product or this fine style would deserve any more stink. Stick to no. your roots. Stick to your roots, definitely. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention as well is obviously, like we said, you're owned by the state, um, in the Czech Republic, and the one thing from doing research and looking at and looking at videos and, and reading up and things by god do the czechs love their fucking beer and the, like <laughs> how how much you you cherish just lager and beer and the whole process and the enjoyment of beer going to a, a pub 
going to a bar, it's completely different to what it is in here in the yeah. UK. You walk in, you take, you sit, you don't even go to the bar. You sit down, you put a, you put your beer mat down, and the beer just fucking appears. Like for that as a whole culture, it's just yeah, it's, phenomenal. It's, it's, oh, I it's, wish it's, 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 it's a, it's a it's a culture thing. So yeah, so we we do we do things slightly differently, but you know I think it's all sort of like it sort of underlines that we're the first in a consumption of lager per capita in the world. And even though we are really small, like we only ten million in population, but we hitting somewhere around hundred and eighty liters uh, per person per year. So I always say I must be having like ten people on my shoulders to to keep up this. <laughs> oh, no, 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 hundred and eighty. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, if you compare to yeah per person per year, so if you compare to UK, UK sits around uh, seventy liters per person. So oh, man, yeah. we, are, we need to step our game up, boys. But we're fine. How do you do that? Sorry, you go, you go ahead. Yeah. No, just just yeah. I would exclude like Scotland from from there the, the, because I think you, you would guys like hit quite close. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah so, and yeah, the, the culture it, the culture is different. Like as you rightly mentioned, like we go to a pub, like we don't do pub crawls or anything like that. We just basically to go to one pub to be sit down, we put a beer mat on, and then you know the beer lands on on your coaster. Basically, you just sit and drink, and you, you basically the whole evening you just drink beer, you just drink lagers, yeah, and then probably you might have like one or two shots at the end of the evening, you know. But also you eat. Yeah, we having like beer snacks, but beer snacks in terms of like we don't do like much nuts or or scratchings or anything like that. You would have like a some sometimes you would, you would, <laughs> yeah, sausages, but like lots of like things that like people from outside of Czech Republic would call starters, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's things like and then yeah, yeah you, you're having like your you know 10 pints 15 pints and then you go home but because you're sitting and you're eating and you, you're being in a pub for a course of you know seven eight hours and uh pretty much like there is not much disturbance or anything like that and that's the way we, we that's, live it's also that's also what i was going to say like, maybe... like, i bet i bet the i bet the the the, the the disruption and the antisocial behaviour and everything like that is nothing compared to what we've got here, and yet we are yeah. less. We are consuming less. Listen, than half I, of, I did, you know, I did, I did my, I did my personal license in Scotland, so I was like, so, so many obstacles for people to change. <laughs> but uh, exactly. yeah, but you know, I, I'm, I'm a massive believer at like more, more, more obstacles you put in front of people, that more sort of uh, unpredictable they're going to behave. Like we we yeah. don't we don't have rough laws on 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 drinking or anything like that, and we still have, still behave right. So, you know, but I think it's conversation for another day. But in general, I want to mention is one thing that if you go to a pub, yeah, like you find a selection of top maximum five beers. Yeah, we don't do like a 16, 24 taps or anything like that. It's basically mm-hmm. the beer keeps flowing, yeah, and that's the quality that that goes with as well. And second thing is that if you get served bad wine, uh, you don't blame the brewery, you blame the place. Yeah, and it's something exactly. typical for us Czechs. So we basically uh, know good places, and we go to good places. So if if I'm going with my with my friends from the UK, and we're like, oh, there there's a, there's a beer, and they see the sign of any brewery on top of the door, I'll be like, no, mm-hmm. that's not a good place to go for a beer. So you know you, you know your beer places as well. You just don't go there for sake of having beer, but you go to a good place to have a beer. Yeah. So 
Like, Nadim, there's, there's, um, there's one thing that I read this afternoon which I found super interesting um, was, was with regards to the bartenders and the, the, the beer keepers as such. Because like they're obviously held to a different standard in the Czech Republic than they do, and they are over here, and they've got much more responsibility and stuff. I was reading like when when a bar has like a really good bartender, when they move to a different bar, you tend to get uproar, and people will like move to where that person now works. That's correct. That's correct. Like you can call them beer tenders, you can call them tipsters, whatever you like. It's basically it's it's, it's the, the 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 role. It's not they don't they just have. Like obviously, they, their job is to serve the beer, and um, but like I've always like describe it a way that usually the beer tender is, is the person that like it's that uh, society psychology is that society uh, <laughs> whatever like you've got a bad day you can talk to them and you know they listen to you they know you as a regular so is is that is that like like sort of two way street uh, relationship? Yeah. It's so, like yeah, a psychologist makes with a barista, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's like we deal with your problems and give you a bit of craft art on the on the on the on the top of your coffee as you pour a three finger head uh, pint at the same time. It's just I just I, I I love the culture as a whole. I think the the one thing I just want to double down on there is the beer mat kind of um thing because yeah. when we had it when we were in um when we were in Prague Gill it was the one thing that took us by thing. We, we were sitting waiting on the, the, the wives and or girls at the time, like and we sat and they, they came over and they served us. It was we 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 it was Bernard's um dark wow. beer and all the rest of it, and that we'll take it all the way back. But we so we ordered two beers and we were thinking, right, and the girl just came down with the beer mat and just two wee lines on the beer, and we were thinking on the mat, what's going on here? Uh, we'll have another two beers, two two wee lines, and we're yeah. thinking. Like it took us, it took us just a bit of like it was just so weird, uh, like for us because you you know you weren't you weren't going up to the bar and thinking oh what we have and da 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 da. It was two please, two lines on the on the beer mat, and then yeah. it came to paying at the end, and she just took the beer mat. All right, four lines, six lines, whatever it was. Right, it was X, and I you know and. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. it was peanuts as well, and we we're thinking, "This is just amazing." It's it's everything like you know, like it's it's uh, first of all, it's like the the, the power of service that uh, you know, you like I don't know, you, you get out with, with your family or your pals, and uh, you want to have spend time with them. You don't want to wait at the bar, waiting in the queue, yeah. waiting for the beer. Yeah, we just sit there. The, the beer is brought to you, and you're having a great time. Uh, this this is an efficient way. Like it works in many places. You're basically just having like you know, a card where they put on the, the lines and you know basically calculating how many beers you had, and then when you decide to pay, they just they just come to they calculate it. It's all like it's all based on honestly. Like uh, it would be quite interesting to see if this worked in the UK. It totally, nope. is. It's <laughs> but it is um, though. And, and and it's the it's the thing that's wrong with and and again you've mentioned this this is a, a totally a, a topic for another time but it is the trust aspect it's the honesty jar kind of the the kind of the theme here like in Scotland you know if that happened you know there would be a mass it would get to halftime in the football match and you would just see everybody run at the next pub you know because they'd be like oh it was free drink. Um, tip X, tip X sales would be up to the roof. <laughs> tip X, <laughs> tip X on the, the lines on the, on the beer mat. I've only had two. 
There's only there is only four things on, so it, it's, there isn't much choice. Yeah. So it's not difficult for somebody to work out what your order is. Whereas if you've ever been to a wedding in the UK and you've taken a round up to somebody to ask them to, but you, you're up there for twenty minutes because <laughs> everybody's drinking a slightly different drink and it all involves yeah. a different no. a different. Three different beers. You've got somebody on Guinness. You've got somebody on this. You've got somebody on that. It's a bar a bartender's absolute nightmare. Whereas if you're over there, you've got like maybe a liqueur or two, a whiskey, a vodka, whatever it is, and then you've got four or five beers. And the four or five beers is the thing that's getting drunk nine and a half times out of ten. So you're good to go. It doesn't take long to work out somebody's beer, particularly if you're staying on the same. It's pretty straightforward. Ah, um, you would only need to be there three days, and the guy would have worked it out, or the person would have worked out what you were drinking. You're the guy that has that. You're the guy with the or the, the kind of orange hat yeah. on that, that always drinks that. You're that guy, right? Okay, got you sorted. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> over here, you've got a million different drinks. Everybody moving about all the time, moving to a different pub every ten seconds. Um, it's just yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I like that you mentioned when you when you go and order around for everyone. Yeah, it's it's painful. Like you, you would have to have like PhD for mathematics to to memorize everything and. <laughs> and order it in the right order like yeah someone's having an s so i need to order it first yeah they probably Total. cocktails and then you know whatever beers yeah and then you just be like and uh, imagine you're going out like, with 10 like, people like you were saying <laughs> with you, like, when it's when it's us and the, the other guys and stuff that go out there's, there's, there's sometimes six of us or some of us, some of us that go out because we're all fucking craft beer wanky pricks it'll be oh someone's having a boat <laughs> or someone's having a dip on it's like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> when you go to places that have got like 16 or 20 taps on you've got to have numbers because there's absolutely no way after three years i'm remembering what dead like pony in... unicorn tears can stuff simply imagine i always like to put things in like a business perspective yeah imagine if you pop that has five beers on yeah, and then you, you you don't have to do table service, but like you're having people coming to bar, and it's like this is our five beers, you know that fast flow. Well, actually, like like even the operators would, I believe, well, I know they would make much more money than like running in between twenty four taps and trying to like do you know you open one tap on running to the other end, like put that one, then you need to run back to switch up the first tap off, you know things like that, and you have just having like one guy behind the taps like throwing the beers, just sending it out, like basically not pre pouring, but just pouring because you know that. You know, one out of the five is, is your top seller, yeah, and it's going to flow. It is fresh, you know, beautifully poured, taken care of. It's funny Amazing. because when you're at a beer festival and you've like you've done plenty as well, but when you're at it, you you don't have you won't have your full range of beers at the festival. You'll have two beers. You might have four beers. You might have six beers if you are at, if you've got a full. Whack, but I know you'll you'll travel less than when when I do it. But like, but the funny thing is, you know what's going. You're going to pour the most beer off. You're going to pour more of your OG. I'm going to put pour more of my lager. And basically, like you're pouring it constantly. But because it's getting poured constantly, the quality and every like every pint comes out looking great, and every pint goes to the customer like fresh and tasting properly. And you every time you come away and you think. And the only time the tap goes off on these busy festivals is when it is empty, and you've got to change it. You've got to change it, it's, it's, and you think to yourself, it's the best so style it, of beer. It's not just festivals. Like when, when you when you look at it, there, there was this research done on on uh, on a pub uh, pubs that having twenty four taps. 
pretty much 80% of the volume is done uh, within three taps. Three, yeah, well, wow. um, so, now, now, yeah. so now imagine like if you're having some that uh, you know, unicorn tears IPA <laughs> that's been I set there, uh, unfiltered, unpasteurized. You know, how long is that beer sitting between oh, exactly. you know, you know, and then there's this. If you're and there's the second five beers, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be the turnover is going to be there, so mm. that it's going to be fresh. And the, and then there's the second thing. So the beer stays in your line, the one that doesn't sell as often, Thank and then you, you get it, you get it served, you know, and then it, you you pull up your your untap, and the brewery gets absolutely bashed. Yep. And <laughs> is, 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 is it? Not do uh, is it? Yeah, but is it is it the brewery or is it the operator? <laughs> so I was joking, I, I was joking about this the other day, right? And it was doing my head and watching someone pour beer. So you you'll probably hate this as well, uh, Redeem, because of the style of beer and the whole adding head to the beer, right? So when you see someone pouring it off the keg, they push the tap away, right, yep. to create a head on the beer, right? But obviously, by doing that, you're not opening the valve properly. So that's why you're basically the feet, the the it's, the beer's coming through the lime and it's fobbing. That's what creates the head on it, right? So it's like spluttering through. And I, my point to this person was, well, you want me to serve your beer with you know two head, three head, three finger head on it, and I says yes. However, but the next time you pour a beer, what's going to happen? All that foam and all the rest of it is sitting in the line and it's going to be sitting there for between the next time you pour the pint that comes through and the yeah. first time it pours down, what does it do? It splurts like all that head and froth yeah. into the bottom of your glass. So you're not actually getting like a proper pour to begin with, which has a knock-on effect. And I'm just going to jump in on, on this, yeah. So if you're using that, uh, I call it ice cream tap, that's the typical, typical tap, right? That uh, on and off, yeah. Like pushing yeah. it back, it's it's not it's not a big deal. Yeah, if you do it just 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 for for like short period of time, obviously like if you keep pouring like that, the foam gets much further in the line. But like if, if you're using that, uh, you know, I would always start with the beer first and then topping topping the the foam on the top, which mm -hmm. you know doesn't affect the next pour because then you open it fully, even if it carbonates a little bit. But you know this is complex topic. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like you know what's what's your what's uh how how much psi you should put on your beer. Yeah, that's my favorite one. When, when salespeople ask me, it's like, hey, uh, 6040, so that's 35 PSI. I was like, no. It's like, oh, uh, pure CO2, it's 20 PSI. No. You know, you're having the, the temperature of the keg, your, your elevation, your, your line diameter, <laughs> your length of line, yeah, yep. like everything in, in that. And you need to, you need to put it in a calculator. Yeah? So it's, uh, this, yeah. is, this is a super broad topic. And I could talk about this like for another 30 minutes, but like, you know, you're, you're just summing up my whole day, Redeem. You're summing, yeah. summing up my whole day. This whole, it's not but, like, but it's, I think, so I totally I, sorry. I think all, on, like the most important aspect here is called training. Yeah. Um, and, and, and no one wants to do trainings in the pubs because there's a fluctuation of stuff. It's everywhere. It's been here forever, especially more mm -hmm. since, since COVID. And uh, no one wants to invest into people because they, they, they come and go. And you yeah. know th this is the thing. But if you if like if you put me behind the uh, like typical British bar, and uh, I can I can pour you nice pints. Uh, I don't have a problem with it because I understand that how the system works. Uh, but yeah. like if you get a you know part-time student that that just spends there two two months a year, and you you don't give them the adequate training, then you know it's going to look like the way it's look, and you know you're going to have some spillage 
much highest village. Yeah. So, uh, all, it all goes back down to this. Yeah, so... <laughs> no, hail, 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 hail. Um, the one thing that I've, I've again, on my deep dive of research, um, that seems to get employees of Budvar and kind of um, the Bruin team excited, or, or a beer that gets them more excited than than your, your the lager and the, the dark lager seems to be the Budvar Reserve. Um, tell us about that because it seems to be that they get really, really excited about that beer. Yeah, so 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 uh, Budvar Reserve was uh, basically this whole project started in 2014. Uh, our brewmaster and the beauty brewmaster went to CBC in the US, mm. and they saw how Americans like cherish their hopes as they always have. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you know, since we have a quite like, long tradition of brewing, but also we got a long tradition of hop brewing, yeah. we did not have anything to sort of like uh, cherish that or celebrate that. So uh, they, they got back from CBC and uh, and it was just uh, a couple of months before the harvest. So uh, the first started as a it used to be called Fresh Hop Imperial. So it's a 7.5% lager that is brewed with the fresh hops. And we then uh, we then did it as a reserve, which was made with uh, dry hops. But if you go to the brewery, uh, we brew fresh hop every year. Uh, with different varieties. So on the day of the hop harvest, we bring it to to the brewery. Half of the team is meshing, half of the team is harvesting hops, and they uh, bring in those pellets. And then the kettle is overflowing with fresh hops because you can use like four <laughs> times more than you would use of the dry stuff. And then yeah, and uh, because it's a seven point five percent alcohol, uh, you know, in the fermentation process, you you having some more flavors. So it needs to be lagered for for much much more longer. It's around seven months. Yeah, so you're having wow. this. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's a very, very. Sorry, I'm just getting emotional. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to go to the brewery in two weeks' time. Actually, sample the, the last year's harvest. So, uh, <laughs> I'm just now, having a little university. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, you can only get this beer like around in and around the area of the brewery. Is that right? Just just in the brewery because we sort of discontinued uh, the reserve because it wasn't very understandable style for lager. It was too much. And um, yeah, and you couldn't drink any pints. Like if you're having a pint of 7.5% beer, that's you know, basically just like drinking double IPA in the same, same alcohol range. So mm-hmm. the moment you have that, you have two and you can go right into sleep. <laughs> so we, we discontinued yeah, the reserve. You know, waiting for the there was an incentive. Your, your <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, just let us know when the next one's ready, and uh, we will let's, let's book some flights. <laughs> yeah, oh, I would invite, I would invite every one of you, like you know, come to visit the brewery, and you know, it's in the tanks. Uh, we always do standardly SAS, as as our staple hops that we use in you know our beers. Uh, but also last year we use Agnus. That's uh, one of the like newer varieties, like when I say newer, it's like 30 years. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's got quite quite high higher percentage of cohumulon, which basically like uh, it's a slightly um, aggressive bitterness. So if you like really like a bitter mm-hmm. lagers, yeah, it mm-hmm. still has like 26 IBU, but like that cohumulon actually makes it more snappy. So that one, and uh, not last year, but the year before, we actually were using most, uh, which was uh, which was a crossbred between Sass and Jester. Uh, done in partnership with uh, of the research institute in Jatets or SAS region with uh, Charles Farren. Yeah, and the most was like quite tropical, but sadly we didn't get a hands-on. We 
didn't get our hands on last year on it. So we only have the SAS and the Agnus, but you know, anytime you're in a brewery, we're happy to, to get you on some tasters of that because it's fantastic beer and you know it's it's sketchy because you drink it at like three degrees and you know you don't feel it but when it's outside like mm -hmm. 25 or 30 yeah. degrees and you see you, you feel it later <laughs> yeah it, it, it kicks you like a horse <laughs> sign, sign me up i'm in that kind of beer <laughs> right there. A beer, that's a beer fridge session beer of that is it no oh, seven and a half percent yeah, that, 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 that may be your typical light cup. <laughs> there's literally, it's it's funny. There's there's I I seen some videos and you can see, um, the guys that work there and the guy the brew team and stuff, and they just get really giddy when you, the people start opening it. You just you can see them just gathering around and just going, "Yes, I'll take I'll take some of that." It's amazing. It was like with, uh, uh, the the one with Johnny and Brad. It was like all of a sudden all these people appeared. The, <laughs> the brewmaster who was upstairs showing them all the stuff. All of a sudden down the stairs with his jacket on, like right away. You can imagine people standing about like, right, are you going to stop talking so we can pour this already? What's going on? Are we having, are we having some? Are we, are we getting ready to go? Uh, you can, the smiles, and honestly, it was like the, the, the guy, the, the, the brewmaster guy is quite straight-faced as he's talking all the scientific stuff upstairs, and then you see him with Johnny and then down the stairs, and he's like, right, are we, are we opening this? What are we doing? And the smile's like up to here. He's like, right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, your, your little joys in everyday life, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, you, I've got nothing else written down my sheet, gentlemen. Have you got anything you guys want to ask, Redeem? Oh, just to say thanks no. very much again for for sending yeah. the stuff and for this evening. It's been a fantastic chat. Thank you very much. Aye, what a journey! Yeah, um, been amazing, and the beer's incredible. Yeah, it's, thank you very um, much. It's um, honestly nah. been a, a lot of fun with him, and um, for for me anyway, like to kick off our you as your our first guests for the year. Um, I think it's um, I think other people are going to struggle to be fair because that has been. <laughs> um, so thanks a lot, guys, and I hope I'll I'll see you in the brewery. Um, if you if you're in Czech Republic, it only takes uh, two hours on a train. There's actually a train for Bavaria Express. <laughs> it takes you all, all the, all the <laughs> surprise, song, surprise, man. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so okay. if you ever make your way down, like you know, even for for listeners of the podcast, it's it's a great place to visit. And then you know, if you ever have a chance, like you're opening the Thanksgiving in, in Maidenhead, it's, it's a great place to visit as well. Once it's open, it should be opening this or next yeah. week. Uh, and yeah, like follow me on socials. I always like put all the all the updated stuff and. Lots of stories from the sellers. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, like what Dean said, go to social media, search Budva. You also go to the website, uh, budvisorbudvar.com um, slash UK and get up-to-date information with regards to the brewery and everything that they're doing. Um, make sure as well, whatever you, you've listened to the podcast, you've subscribed, you've hit a ding-a-ling-a-ling to be notified of all the latest episodes. If you've watched on YouTube, thanking you, um, do the same thing. Drop a wee subscribe that would be lovely, and drop us a five-star rating. Also, you can, as well, show your official support while McGill opens another beer on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast, you loud bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, from myself, Gavin, Callum, Mark, and Scott, redeem absolute pleasure having you in the podcast. Thank Until you. Until next time, cheerio, bye. Thank you.